Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 127. We are recording on Saturday, May 11th, 2019. Um, welcome back to the program, Rob. How's it going, buddy? I'm doing good, man. It's uh, playoff hockey. Right. Best time of the year. Absolutely. It's great. Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, I just love it. I want to swear so bad, but we try not to. <laughs> but uh, uh, we are... Uh, we're, we're minus one uh, today on this program because um, uh, Court has family obligations to take care of. It is Mother's Day weekend, and we definitely respect his, uh, his wishes to be with family and hope he is doing well. Um, but in his stead, we have uh, Garrett Hayden. Uh, Garrett is uh, – you can follow Garrett on Twitter at thesportsguy97. And he's uh, one of the fe- featured writers and breaking news um, coordinators at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. And uh, he does a fantastic job on some of the stuff that he's going he's gonna to plug later. But Garrett, welcome to the program. Welcome back to the program, actually. Thanks a lot thank for you. your time. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's good to be back. I'm uh, happy to be back. Happy to be talking some playoff hockey. Absolutely. Um, let's get right into it. And we have a long list of topics that we, we, we uh, discussed uh, pre-show. So, um, and we'll do our best to get you um, warmed up and ready for game two, which is going to be... Uh, tomorrow, uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. at TD Garden. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. And, um, and hopefully the Bruins take a, a, you know, another home win and go up to nothing in the series as they go down to a, a seemingly hostile um, uh, Carolina uh, Hurricanes arena. I'm not sure which one that's called because I really don't see the Hurricanes in the playoffs often, so I really don't yeah. give a shit about them. I had to drop my first swear, but um, <laughs> but the, the the Bruins go through the Toronto Maple Leafs in 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 seven. They go through the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets in six, and now we're in the Eastern Conference Finals uh, playing the Carolina Hurricanes, which is just a an unbelievable story. Uh, let's start with Rob. Uh, what about this Carolina Hurricanes team, and and what have you seen in Game One? Or uh, let's go back. Let's. The games during the season, 
to game one and your expectations for the rest remainder of this series? Well, Carolina play a similar game to Boston, especially in the playoffs. Uh, all season long, they were speed and skill. Now they've started playing with a bit of greatness to the game. Um, there's a lot of stuff behind the play that I think they've started to realize that the refs aren't calling. Uh, there's a couple of slew foots, a couple of in definite interference calls on both sides. Um, and the, the officiating has been what it's been. I mean, it's going both ways, so I don't see a, much to complain about. I mean, Dougie Hamilton gets penalty in the boards for being hit and gets called for interference. No idea what that was all about. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think the Bruins fans finally got that that rival in the playoffs where there's going to be a bit of hatred there going on. Um, I mean, you look at Toronto, the hatred's always there. Uh, Columbus, that team isn't going to be the same next year. Half of that roster's gone. Uh, but this Carolina Hurricanes team, these guys are young. We're going to see the same type of team next season. Uh, and, I mean, Jordan Stoll takes a run at, uh, who was it? I think it was Camfer or was it Chara into the boards? Big board in penalty. Uh, and I think that will move on to the rest of the series. I think we'll see a lot of nastiness between these two. And, I mean, that's the best type of playoff hockey when there's a bit of uh, a bit of hatred between the two teams. Garrett, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the series has been kind of, I think game one kind of went the way that I was expecting that, you know, Carolina was going to come out, play with a lot of energy early on, especially in the second period. The Bruins, you know, have had their issues in second periods this year, but, you know, the Bruins just kind of stay with it and had a great third period. I think that's one of the things that they've done so well this postseason is they've just stuck with it. And anytime they're losing in a game, losing in a series, I mean, they've been down, you know, they were down three times against Toronto in the first round series and, you know, down two one against uh, Columbus and the team just responds really well. They always do. And it's, uh, it's been fun to see how well, how, how well they've responded this postseason went down. Yeah. The resiliency um, of this Bruins team, even dating back to the regular season, and then throughout the playoffs, it seems like they get kicked in the balls and, and, and it hurts. You know, you get down on yourself, but they just seem to, um, you know, muster up a, a fantastic um, effort to get back into the game and try to secure either two points or a playoff victory. So I'm expecting this, this series to be very physical. Um, I'm kind of going on the um, thought that, like the Toronto and Columbus, they were they were two different series. But yes, like Rob was touching on earlier, this is a game that's going to be catered to the way the Bruins play. Um, and I don't want to like I'm going to say it, but I don't really want it, want to say it. But it, it it's just like this is the type of series that for those big bad Bruin you know people that can't get the the physicality of the game out of their heads to move on to a more offensive production team. Um, but I get it. It is the playoffs. It's very physical, but, and, and definitely going to see some really good hockey. Um, but I, I kind of give the Bruins, I got to give it the edge to the Bruins in this. And I hopefully they get it done quickly because now this Bruins team has not been at at this position since 2013. I think rest is going to be very important at least a couple few more days than what they had. I think they had two days rest before a series, though. Um, is rest, is playing any issues um, moving forward to you, Rob? No, I, I kind of hope the series goes long. I mean, I said this a couple of shows ago. I don't like the whole finisher team in five games sit for nearly a week, maybe more. Uh, I don't think that's a good thing in the playoffs. I think keeping the players warm, keeping them in game shape, that's the best way to go about it. And if a series goes seven games, I mean, that's the best thing. Um, you look at the teams that have swept teams this playoffs, they've gone through to the next round and been taken out. Uh, I think there's only one team remaining that swept someone and gone through the next round. So, um, And that's I, Carolina, I just, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think it is, actually. They swept the Islanders. Yeah. Um, 
But the thing with Carolina compared to um, Boston, I think there's there's two differences in that those teams. There's Bruins have by far the bigger veteran core to uh, what Carolina do, um, and also the goaltending. The difference is incredible. I mean, you've got two Karas back there who's probably putting up the performance of a lifetime these playoffs. Um, I think the only time we've seen him play this good was in 2013 when we went to the finals. Um, and, I mean, the guy is a playoff performer. He's shown it every time we've made the playoffs. But it, when it doesn't come to uh, regular season games, the guy might have a sore start, but come playoff time, 82 games into the season, the guy's on fire. Mm. So, um, yeah, I just see see those two being the big differences and the that's why I'd give the edge to Boston in this series. Gary, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think rest could play a huge factor. You know, I don't really think it's too much of a big deal. You know, I think if Bruins win in five, they win in five. You know, if they win in seven, they win in seven. I really don't think it's a, a huge deal. I mean, I think it's more just you got to pay attention to this series and pay attention to the team that you're playing instead of worrying about, oh, are we going to have too much rest? Are we going to have not enough rest? I mean, you know, it's crazy that you mentioned you know, they had a, a day of rest after they beat Toronto, and they had two against, you know, Columbus. Um, so I don't know if I want them to play, you know, right after a series ends, but I certainly don't want them waiting for, you know, four or five days before the next series. So Yeah, I also, I also get let's not get ahead of ourselves kind of, uh, you know, situation either. I get that. It's exciting, though. It's just, you know – I've been around for a while, so I've seen a couple, a few of these, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and I'd like to see another run before I uh, hang it up. <laughs> so um, let's get to some player topics and some other news around uh, besides the, uh, the the main picture of the uh, the playoffs, but um, an overall picture of this this particular topic. And and Rob, this is this one's yours. Is Sean Corrali the best fourth line center in the league? By far. Out of the guys in the playoffs, <laughs> for me, the the guy has enough skill to play on the third line for me. I think if you put him third line left wing, he brings enough skill to actually bring something to that team. Um, I, I think <coughs> people, are, people are shocked because they haven't really seen that much of him over the last few years, especially in the playoffs when there's more supporters around than ever. Uh, and a lot of the guys in the media are getting very surprised by the way that he plays. And I mean, he has that grit enough to be a fourth liner and be the energy guy and do all that stuff. But when the guy sees space to skate into, he also has that speed and that skill and that awareness to make a play happen. Uh, and I really think it, it just shows how much confidence he has in himself because when he plays, I mean, I think it was game six against Columbus where he just saw a bit of open space. We were on a line change, but still he committed to attacking two defenders and made his way around them and got a scoring attempt out of it. So the guy's got plenty of confidence going into this series, and I think he's going to do very well for himself. Gary, your thoughts on on Corrali and and, and add your outlook for him. Is he the type of career um bottom six player or does he have the potential in in another year or two to even rise further up the lineup i think bottom six you know is probably his ceiling and you know that's not even necessarily a negative thing just the the energy that he brings the enthusiasm that he brings it's almost like you can't believe how how hard he plays and how much you know energy he plays with it's like you could put him anywhere in the bottom six and he'd be effective um, about being the best fourth line center. I don't really know if that's totally true. But again, like, I don't know too many other guys that play as hard as he does and plays with the energy that he does. Um, and, you know, I don't think I see him being more than a, a bottom six forward, but, you know, that's okay. Not everyone needs to be that, but he still even has a little bit of offensive skill, which isn't a bad thing either. And he's, yeah. he's certainly taken a beating, too. I mean, it's just. Yeah, definitely. But that, that those are the situations he's also putting himself into, you know. So, I mean, he's he's so effective on the on the penalty kill. 
I love his tenacity when he when he gets on the ice and just immediately goes right down and gets into the face of these players and tries to disrupt them and and strip pucks away. I mean, he. I mean, I'm I'm not old enough to ever see Derek Sanderson play, but mm-hmm. seeing videos of him play reminds me so much of him on how low he can get swishing the puck. I mean, uh, getting a stick around trying to knock the puck away, but um, yeah, he's but, a really good player. Uh, I think the San Jose Sharks will be kicking themselves a little bit with him being just – he was just a yeah. throw-in to that deal. Right. Uh, I don't think the Sharks saw really anything in him to give him up that easy in a deal like that. Um, where the Sharks got fleeced anyway for that deal, mm-hmm. never mind about the fact that Sean Corelli was in there. So, uh, I mean, the guy, I think – is probably shoving it in the face of everyone who's not believed in him in the past and uh, proving a lot of doubt is wrong coming into this team. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the next topic is uh, is Marcus Johansson. And, and, and great to see him at a whole another level. It is playoff hockey. I get it. It is a different type of season. But um, this is a player that seems to struggle uh, with injuries. I'm not saying that's a knock on him or, or his ability to to properly help this team, but it's good to see him offensive and uh, and very creative. That's my favorite thing about it. And when I talk about creative, I'm talking about crossing the blue line and the confidence to backhand a sweet pass to Mr. Stephen Kampfer, who scored the goal in his first playoff game in a, in a while, or it was the second game, right? Second game. Yeah, yeah I yeah. think you're right. So I mean, just just right up the pipe, accepts his pass. The camper just uh, it roofs it. So uh, thoughts on uh, Mister Johansson, or they call him Mojo. <laughs> or, is it Jojo? Mojo. Either one. I just call either him either one. one. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, <coughs> the the play that you're talking about. The Bruins were attacking the left wing all game, trying to get past um, the four checker. Yeah, because he was like covered like two guys, right? The way, and then seeing him just pull up, stop, and the guy just didn't know what to do. <laughs> just stood there for a couple of seconds. Um, I mean, he's just got that calmness to his game. Um, a lot like a guy that you're not going to expect, but uh, Louis Erickson. It's very Louis Erickson with a bit more skill. Um, and I like that. I think the guy, he's not going to be a physical guy. He's not going to throw his body around like everyone wants players to. Uh, he might not be the best in the corners, but once he's got the puck, he's got that calmness to take a look around. I mean, when he was on the power play, there was, he kept setting up that pass along the uh, goal line and just standing there and trying to hand it off to Bergeron. If the pass wasn't there, it was going back to Marshan And just those little tiny passes all the time, making people move around calmness right next to absolute chaos. Um, I think he's done well for himself this playoffs. He might not have put up the points everyone was expecting, but his general play all around is um, very calming to the rest of that line that he plays on. What do you think, Garrett? Yeah, um, I think, you know, we didn't quite get to see everything that he can do because he wasn't totally healthy towards the end of the season. Um, But now you're seeing him perform in the playoffs and it's amazing to me. This guy was a very, you know, almost almost an elite offensive player when he was in Washington. And now I feel like this is the guy that we're seeing right now that he just um, is, is honestly an elite offensive player and a guy that really just plays really well around the net is a really smart player. Um, And I feel like, Almost like now, it's almost like he's playing his way into a contract with the Bruins with how well he's playing. Yeah, which very much, uh, very, uh, excuse me, tongue tied a little bit. Uh, that could very well happen uh, during the offseason as he's a free agent as of July 1. Um, we got to talk about the McAvoy suspension. Um, I mean, sucked when it happened uh and it for me it wasn't even about um losing the game it was it was i believe that hit could have been avoided but it was a it was a fast it's a fa- hockey is fast i get it 
and things happen. Um, but I, I think this was the right call. Now, the <laughs> the call on the ice was was by far the worst I've ever seen. And okay. I will completely say that when when he when he uh, when he hit Josh Anderson um, along the boards, head contact was made, um, and, and it, you could tell it wasn't intent. Um, but both uh, class acts at the end and the handshake line, and and you know, you know, it is what it is. But the suspension happened, and thankfully the Bruins won, and now he's back. So. Uh, moving forward in this series with him and, and uh, the power play specialist on this team uh, on the blue line, in my opinion, having him back, uh, what's this going to do to this team and propel them even further into this uh, playoff series, Rob? Uh, well, the call was the correct one. I mean, the guy got the suspension, has no priors, uh, one game. I, I honestly thought it was going to be two. Uh, I was kind of surprised it was one. The call on the ice, I kind of understood it because you're allowed to kind of take a huddle and see if anyone else saw anything. Because I don't think the referee who saw the first contact was 100% on it. Uh, And I don't think they wanted to make a bad call, kind of like the one in San Jose. Um, So I understand why they took it back from it being a game to only being two. Um, but I mean, if it was a game, were they really going to score on the five minute? Were they really going to do too much damage to the Bruins? I'm not hundred percent sure. So, but going forward, I mean, you, you get back, you stood defenseman. Uh, the guy has played by far better than quite a few guys on that, on the blue line. Um, the guy attacks the puck carrier coming into the zone. He's one of the only guys that jumps up. Him and Carl or do both both do the same thing, just attack that carrier coming in. Uh, and if you're asking me if I'd swap Camfer out for him, definitely not. So, I mean, it's a massive upgrade on what you've got in there. So, yeah, I'd, I'm just hoping that he comes back with the same ferocity and he's not scared of getting another suspension. Um, I don't think he will. I don't think that's in a hockey player's brain when they come back, but hopefully he plays exactly the same as he's been playing all playoffs. Garrett, what do you think, buddy? Um, I think, you know, going back to the hit, I was, you know, absolutely shocked that it wasn't a major, you know, I wasn't surprised that, you know, the game suspension, I thought it could have been two, you know, and it ended up being one. But, you know, Mark, you said it's kind of a play that you would like Charlie to avoid. Because, you know, going back at at that play, you know, Anderson is engaged with, you know, Char or a defenseman or whoever that is, you know, and Charlie just kind of steps into him. And and I understand that you're trying to establish physical play, but that's just not the time to do that. And with 20 seconds left in the period, it's just kind of a, you know, it's kind of of a dumb dumb play that you don't really want to see him make. Um, But, you know, it, it is what it is. He got suspended. Bruins won. He's back in the series, and I think that he's going to make a huge difference in this series because Carolina is a team that likes to play with speed, likes to play quickly, and you know that's the way that Charlie plays when he's at his best. And so I think uh, he could have a huge rest of the series. Uh, for me, in Charlie's return, is it, it's going to really complement uh, Chara's game, um, and I'm assuming that Chara practiced this morning. I would, yeah. I think he was in the pregame. There, that I will take a quick look right here. Yes, he was. All right. So his projected lineup is does have him in there. It is projected on BostonBruins.com website. So I think that's that's going to be a crutch for Achara that has has just not played well at all in this series, and it's tough to see because you know he's just got the heart. And the willingness to be out there, but it's just he's just getting outskated, and it's so tough to see. But um, I, I don't know what to do in that situation. Besides, seriously, limit his minutes. Uh, obviously, you could probably do that now with with McAvoy back into the lineup, but um, double shift him. Who knows? He's young enough. But um, I just, I think that the whole thing is going to be that whole pairing is just going to be that much more solid because Charlie's got the speed to 
to be there if um, if Chara can fumble it and um, and and make something good happen, a fast transition out because that seems to be a, a huge issue with him when he handles the puck in the defensive zone. It's just his possession is just just not there. Um, and we went back to even the at the show last week when we talked to Court, uh, and we noticed that there was a, a brace on his left knee. So hmm. who knows? Um, I mean, I'd, I'd much rather have him in the lineup and then, you know, not. But I do – I would like to see his minutes limited at, at, at least a little bit. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, the guy was hurt during the season. I think he's 19. probably come back. Yeah, I think he's – knowing Char, he's probably come back way too soon off that injury. Um I mean, the guy's 41. I don't know what people expect him to do. Uh, he can't stop age taking effect on his body. Uh, I think you just have to, you just have to play him and like know when the guy is tired, know when to take a bit of time off him. I mean, you've got the guys there to cover on the penalty kill if you need to sit him. Um, you've you've got the defense pair in there to change it up a little bit, maybe play him with Clifton on the third pair for a few shifts. Um, the thing is, the defense is deep enough to have them changes on it. And I think Cassidy has done that at times. Um, we've seen Char escape with um, a couple of guys. I mean, he's been out there with Carlo for a few shifts before. Um He's been out there with Clifton for a few shifts, especially in the Columbus series. There's a couple of times where they put Tory Krug and McAvoy out there to try and get a bit of offense uh, and sat Chara, so that was good to see. But uh, I just I don't see there being any way of minimizing his minutes too that too much though. I think you're just gonna have to hope that the forwards make those saves when he's needed and. Just come back and help out. Nice. Um, moving on to some signings uh, and more more depth signings, in my opinion, uh, that possibly could um, make something out of it. But um, there remains to be seen. But uh, Oscar Steen has signed an entry level deal. Um, that was it's it's been in the news, but we're going to talk about it. And Anton Bleed signed one. Um, also, I believe I broke the news on that one. Pat myself on the back right there. Uh, but uh, I, I like the bleed signing. He's uh, definitely going to be one of those types of players that could be a candidate uh, for captaincy in, in, in the Providence Bruins organization uh, with a two-year deal. Um, and um, I, I, from the, the source that I've been talking to recently and has been correct on everyone that I threw in out there, so uh, you roll the dice and go with that, so um, has mentioned that the, the team is not interested in bringing – uh, last year's cap and George Swords back. So that's going to open up um, who's going to wear the C down in Providence up to uh, a player like Chris Green, a player like Paul Carey, who also signed a two-year deal. And uh, and obviously um, Anton Bleed is now in that mix too. But uh, from, the, from the source that I was told, uh, they do – the players do vote. The coach has the ultimate say. So – Rob, what do you think about that and the signings? I know you're a big uh, fan of uh, Steen. Yeah, from what I've seen from Steen over in Scandinavia, I mean, the guy's a good player, I think. Career, yeah, with Bajestad. Yeah, I don't think there was much expected of him uh, going into this year. I don't think everyone saw the offensive outburst that he'd have. Uh, he, def- he must have worked on his skating during... The off-season, he looks a lot heavier on his skates, um, using the edges a lot better. Um, he's not been bullied off the puck as much as he was. Uh, definitely a really good guy for being around the boards. And to me, I think you probably see him for a couple of games in Boston next season as a call-up, uh, like as an emergency call-up, just to see where he's at. Because the guy's been playing with adults over in Sweden. Um I mean, he looks good. He looks good at all the tournaments that he's been to. He's got the speed to compete with guys in the NHL. I don't think he's an NHL player right now. 
Uh, I think you'll see him for probably two seasons down in the AHL, maybe even more. But uh, the bleed signing for me was the one that I like the most because I think if you are getting rid of a lot of veterans down there in the AHL, a guy like Bleed is known to step up and be a bit of a voice around there and stick up for his teammates on the ice. So that's definitely a good sign. I like that signing. And the guy is so happy to be back with Providence next season. Did you see that smile? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Um, it must have been an old picture, but for him to take that – that shows the emotion that he has in that signing and he wants to be back because, you know, the Providence is a really, really, really good developmental system in the NHL. And the Bruins are always at the top of, uh, of what they do in their crafting, the types of players that they want to see in the NHL. So kudos to Providence, even though I don't agree with a ton of crap that they do, like not having a, uh, a home radio affiliate. We got to get on that, please. Also heard from Bruins Network. Follow him on Twitter at Bruins Network. That the AHL has been pressuring the Providence team to get a fee because people are outraged. Well, I did message them and say that I'm always available if they buy me a house. <laughs> get, but, that, uh, get that Rob to the US GoFundMe going. <laughs> I do not think I could keep up with play to play. Plus, I'd put. With this voice, I'd put people to sleep, so I don't think they'd want that. Break um, out the whiskey. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll clear up this throat a bit. <laughs> sounded like this since I was about four, so, yeah. I don't think there's much changing, especially with a bit of whiskey. Uh, Garrett, uh, your thoughts on Steen signing and the Anton Bleed signing? Um, I'll admit I don't know too much about Steen from, uh, you know, I think I've only seen him a few times that – development camp and watched a few highlights here and there but you know obviously the Bruins see something in him signing him to a three-year entry-level contract you know hopefully we see him uh, in Providence you know maybe even in Boston if you know there's a emergency call up that sort of thing Um, I really like the bleed signing because I think that he's a guy that uh, he's another guy could be called up to Boston very quickly you know if you have uh, injuries on your third or fourth line Um, so I like I like both of the moves yeah, bleeds gritty, uh, sticks up for his teammates. Uh, really good um, with the development players that are coming into their first pro seasons and not basically ready to be taking liberties on. So he's a good guy to, to, to you know, hey, you know, this guy's trying to learn. Let's not try to end his career, you know, right. type of player to get out there and stick up for him. So mm-hmm. Also a guy that Cassidy absolutely loves. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's probably, really, that probably played really a huge, huge effect on that signing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at the contract situation with the current fourth liners in the NHL, there's a couple of guys going out after next season. So if Bleed's yeah. working his way to a one-way mm-hmm. contract, then that might happen, especially with only two years on the signing as well. I am looking at catfriendly.com, and right now I'm looking at one name that could be gone. Uh, Achari. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, Achari's up this season. Uh, next season sees the end of Nordstrom and Wagner's contracts. So, I mean, that's three guys that could be going right there. Noel Achari is the one that I think will probably end up staying. Uh, the guy is Boston through and through. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, you look at the guys, uh, it looks like something out the Goonies right now. Uh, <laughs> staple in his gum, everything. Uh, guys still out there fighting. So, yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with Garrett Hayden, uh, writer from the blackandgoldhockey.com website. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at thesportsguy97. We'll be right back, folks. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world!
All right, we're back uh, with Garrett Hayden. Uh, this is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 127. Um, jumping back on these topics, uh, the, the, the camp for goal that I, I believe I talked about because I messed up on the first recording, we went through probably like six or seven minutes, and I looked down and I didn't hit record. So if I didn't get to this, I'm sorry. But the uh, camper comes in for Charlie McAvoy, uh, scores a sweet goal, uh, assisted by um, Marcus Johansson, right down the middle. Um, is he proving the doubt is wrong? Um, I think he has because he's coming clutch. Like every time he's come in, he's seems to have these little bursts of good games when he's called upon. Um, I could see them re-signing him for another year as that seventh defenseman. I mean, you don't want to hold a young guy no. not playing. I mean, there was people on Twitter saying Bakkenainen could be the seventh defenseman next season. I could see that if they were running seven defensemen. I could see that if there was a rotation happening. But right now you have John Moore as your seventh. and Well, John Moore is your eighth, basically, because uh, he didn't get called upon. So I'd call Campy your seventh. So, um, like, the guy does the little things right. Uh, he still battles out there. All the veteran presence in the locker room. All that cliche stuff that we say every week. Um, but, I mean, uh, I don't see what more you'd want from a guy who sits maybe 50 to 60 games during the season. So, yeah. Uh, Boston Bruins, uh, the the uh, defensive pairings at practice this morning with Chara McAvoy, Krug, Carlo, Grizzly, Clifton. And on the outside looking in was more camphor. Yeah. And I think that's how it's going to stay. I don't think more or camphor are going to play the way into a position this offseason. Um and I don't see either of them really playing away in next season as well. I think they're probably the two guys that will sit then as well. Uh, I'm sorry, Garrett. Your thoughts on uh, Camfer and, and his uh, cups of coffee in the NHL so far, especially these playoffs? Yeah, I mean, he's been really solid. You know, right when he's when he's called upon, he's, you know, playing really solidly. And it's, you know, not even the goal that he scored, but he just looked – you know, really, really solid back there defensively. Didn't really make many mistakes. You know, he was quick to jump up into the play. And, you know, he's kind of everything you could ask for in a seventh or eighth defenseman, whatever whatever you want to say. But um, I don't know if he comes back, but it's been a pretty solid guy that can just come in and play a game or two if you need to, if the guy's hurt or, you know, if there's another suspension that happens. From what I see in Camper is is, is the drive as a, as a, um, a veteran – of this league for um, several years. I, I don't remember. I don't know the stats on them, but it, it, it is like that. It's very trending that um, once he gets in, he's very, very freaking hungry to stay. Um, but when he, when he does get opportunities to get a stretch of games, it seems like that hunger is the gas. You know what I mean? It's, it's the foot on the gas. It's to let, you know, decompress a little bit. You know, and, and then his game kind of falls apart, and which, uh, you know the fans really jump on that. So, um, yeah, he's just that one, that seventh guy that just can be rotated around, and and obviously used in situations like this when when Charlie McAvoy was out in a suspension, he can come in and, and slide in really well, and he and capitalize on that opportunity. So, uh, good to see. I love goals, don't matter where they come from. Like Zimitsuka Rask could uh, put one top shelf. And, you know what I mean, and that I'm gonna love it. So whatever. The the way he's playing, he might just do that. <laughs> crazy, crazy, and the crickets, crickets from everybody that hates him is just. Oh, I love it. It's great. I love it. I mean, oh, it's been a quiet couple. Call of me what you want. Play. I don't give a sh- crap, but <laughs> I don't care. It, this is great, and this is. It's nice to all come together and yes. and have a moment of wow. This team is really doing good. That's isn't that the ultimate goal? Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. Um, but speaking of ultimate goals, is um, Carolina's biggest threats. Uh, there's a there's a couple few players on that team that have impressed me, uh, especially in that game one. That you kind of look and you say, "Geez, you can't give them that much space." Um, any players, uh, Rob, that stick out to you that um, the Bruins need to keep a better eye on? Uh, 
well, if you look at it, Aho is the guy in Carolina. I don't think you can give him any time on the puck. The guy is so creative. Um, and then you've got a guy like Andrei Svechnikov that's come back in after being knocked out by Alexander Ovechkin. Um, he's come back, seems to be a lot better. Um, he's another guy that you can't really give space to, especially to shoot. That's what the guy was known for in his draft year. Um, but you've got to look at the veterans as well. I mean, um, you've got Jordan Stahl in there, uh, Justin Williams. Captain got, Clutch. Yeah, you've got the defenseman, a guy like Justin Falk. Uh, you've got Dougie Hamilton. Teach me how to Dougie. <laughs> uh, I mean, that guy has been bashed on so much by the Bruins fans. And I don't think really that it's that well-deserved. I mean, give the guy a break. Uh, but, like, it's always good to see the fans have a bit of a laugh with the next player and throw a towel at him and everything. So, I mean, what are you going to do? But, yeah, the threats are there, and I think they're there in all situations. You, They've just got to be wary of how they go about defending against this team. And I mean, you got threats from everywhere. You got threats from down low, from the forwards, up high, from the defensemen. The goaltender seems to be pulling a horseshoe out of his ass at the moment. Hmm. Um, Peter Morazic, known as the hot tub of the goaltending world, one minute is cold, the next minute is lukewarm, and then he's boiling hot. So, what are you going to do? But yeah, the threats are there. Um, and they're a scary team to play against. And let's just hope it doesn't go to Game 7 all the time with Justin Williams on that team. Gary, your thoughts on... Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah I, they're, they're players. I'm sorry. It's all good. Um, Ajo is a guy that scares me anytime he's on the ice. That guy is all over the place. And you, you know, always have to be aware of where he is. Because um, he'll be at the front of the net, you know, getting a tip. He'll be causing turnovers at the, the at the at the blue line or in the neutral zone. So you really have to be careful about where he is. I think uh, Jacob Slavin's another guy that you have to be careful of. Crazy good, crazy um, good. I think that he leads the playoffs and uh, assists or points, or maybe it's both for defensemen. And you know he's another guy you just have to be aware of where he is because he he's going to jump into the play, and you're not even going to realize it. So you know I think that the. The threats are there. You know, you're obviously going to have Stahl and Williams guys who've been there and done that. So um, always have to be aware of where they are, especially around the net. Um, the players that I'm nervous about are definitely Ajo. Um, Williams is, is one of those players that just, like I said, Captain Clutch a little while ago, uh, he could pretty much be anywhere at any time and just have that luck of, 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 of just netting one that, you think shouldn't be a goal, but it just, you know, he's just got that, that uh, passion and drive to, to make things happen on, um, on, on a good scale. So, um, but for me, it's the goaltending It's so subject to, I mean, you do have a, a, gr- a decent amount of forwards. You do have a very, very nice complement of defense. Um, you know, and Dougie Hamilton is a player that you want to watch out for because he's, I mean, the guy had 19 goals last season, I believe, you know, he's a threat no matter where, where he's on that blue line. So, but the goaltending, it's like, this is something that you have to expose. I mean, Morazic, like, like Rob said, is, is just up and down and McElhinney, if he, if he even gets a start is an aging veteran that is, is, is on an incredible story. Just like the Carolina Hurricanes, they're on an incredible story uh, from a couple of years ago being the trash in the league that the owner wants to sell. And, and, and that guy was a little out there himself. So, but now it's new ownership and things are turning around. I mean, Ron Francis built that thing up from the ground and to where it is today. You have to give Ron Francis compliments before he left and uh, new ownership came in and wanted to do their thing. So. Um, but you got to expose the goaltending. You got to pass the act. You got to you got to do whatever you do. Wire it. Get it faster. Get the goaltenders moving, and just create havoc and and end the series. And 
you know. So <clears throat> well, the difference between the goaltender as well, like I said before, I mean, Morazic's giving up rebounds everywhere, and the rebounds aren't getting. He's not getting to the rebounds his defenders are. Um, the difference between him and Tukarask is a lot of the times that Tukarask does let something back out, he's using his stick to bat it out of the way. Um, we've seen that through all three series. I mean, game one, there was a puck going straight to, I think it was Aho, right next to the net, and Tukarask just gets his stick to it, bats it to the boards out of play. Um, and I think they've got to take advantage of that, get the forwards in front of the goaltender and wait for them rebounds to come back out. I thought they did. I thought the Bruins did a very good job of, of capitalizing on a goaltender like Sergei Bobrovsky's rebounds because he was kicking those like right up the middle a lot of the yeah. times. And the Bruins were, uh, were I'm not saying they, they capitalized on all chances they got but uh, on a few, they, they made some really good scoring plays or, or did, in fact, get that goal. So it's something they can look forward to. Um, what else? I'm, I'm out of topics. Anything <laughs> else? Gary, do well, you have anything that you want to bring to the table or Rob? We've got to do our predictions for the series. Okay. I mean... All right. Well, we're up one to nothing so far. So... I, I, oh, <laughs> I'm going to say five, but I know it's probably going to be six again. So you're going seven, six, five in series. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Are you one of them that's going to be like, oh, we're going to do it in five and then sweep the final? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not that kind of like volcano type of uh, reaction, reactionary okay. guy on the uh, whole thing, but no, no. So where are you at, Garrett? Um, I would say I would say Bruins in five. You know, I think that uh, Mark said I think take advantage, taking advantage of the goaltending is going to be huge. You know, if the Bruins can do that and they can, you know, take advantage of the most of their opportunities, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to win in five. You know, or six. You know, they'll probably have some trouble in Carolina. There's a possibility that they lose both down there, but I think that they'll realize that okay, all we have to do is probably just take one, um, and we can come out of it up three one. That's assuming that they win tomorrow. Because um, I think Carolina is going to come with a lot tomorrow. Because I think that they're really upset that they couldn't uh, they, that they couldn't you know tie game one or you know get it to overtime or even win um, because they were ahead going into the third. So uh, it's an important game tomorrow. But I like the Bruins in five. Nice. I'm oh. going to say six. There you go. I think they do it in six. I thought you were going to pull a seven. I think they lose <laughs> tomorrow night because they seem to have this thing where they get the first game done. They seem to lose the next game because of whatever it is, if they're expecting to just walk in and win or whether the team turns it around and does something completely different. So I think they probably lose the next game and they lose one in Carolina, but they get it done in six, hopefully. So the, as we record this on Saturday, May 11th, um, the Bruins uh, play uh, tomorrow at 3, and then they are on the road Tuesday against the Hurricanes. And, yeah, I can't see that screen. So, what, what NHL.com the... is really pissing me off with, the, with my computer. <laughs> it's like I can't get there, the, the whole schedule. What was with the 8 p.m. start on the last game, anyway? National. Yeah, that's what uh... I was going to say. Yeah, so once I, that happens, I mean, even even if the Bruins go and win the Stanley, I mean, go to the Stanley Cup Finals, those games are going to be eight o'clock too. I mean, even if they match up against yeah. San Jose and so on, it's still going to be eight o'clock. Yeah, because I was like, oh, I'm going to stay up and watch like the first period at least, and then I looked at my phone and I was like, hang on, this game starts at three a.m. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like almost no, midnight before I pass out. Crazy! Yeah. Oh my god! It's midnight when the game start here, so don't even yeah. start. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, before we say goodbye, uh, I'm sorry, Gary. Did you have something? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, all right. Uh, before we say goodbye, I just want to take a quick minute. We are learning new technology here. We're getting away from Skype, so uh, it seems that the audio has been a lot better. I haven't. I've gotten some positive uh, uh, feedback on that, but more importantly, I don't know why our podcast is being cut at the 58 minute mark so 
uh, we're constantly trying to figure that out. I know a couple of you reached out and said, geez, you guys are talking and all of a sudden it's the end music. So I apologize for that. We're working on that with uh, support. So uh, hopefully you get better. And, it's gonna, and over this off season, we're going to get even get more involved in learning this new technology. So uh, please bear with us. But uh, regardless, thank you, Mr. Garrett Hayden. I appreciate everything you do over at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. Appreciate everything you do for the hockey community, um, especially in, in New England as a, as a diehard Bruins fan. Um, mm -hmm. It's been great talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and I definitely have you again, Rob. As always, my friend. Uh, hope hope the best for tomorrow. Uh, it's gonna be good. A good time for you to watch a game, right? Yeah, finally. <laughs> <laughs> every every single one of them seems to be midnight or beyond. So I am not looking forward to the final if we make it there, and every game being like three a.m. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last time it was, I think, 1 a.m. start on one of the games and I decided to have a nap and just slept through all my alarms. So, yeah, I missed the entire game. Oh, but the Bruins won, so it's always good. Uh, I got to give you the, uh, the big trooper award for uh, trying at least and, and still having the, uh, the passion to stay away from Twitter and, and, <laughs> and try to watch the, the game the next day. Yeah, it's not easy, especially, especially when possible. <laughs> yeah, and everyone in work now has this thing where they decide to find the results and try and tell you. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's oh, all boy. good. All right, everybody. Thanks again, Garrett Hayden. Please follow him at the Sports Guy ninety seven. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening once again. We really appreciate it. We are going to get better. I promise. Uh, thanks to our Patreons who are constantly uh, sharing uh, dollars of support to help us uh, close the co uh, cut the cost of uh, operating our podcasting website. So appreciate it. We will try to get court back next week. Um, we'll see what happens with that. Um, and hopefully we, the scheduling doesn't affect our, um, our outlook on getting back together and talking Bruins playoff hockey, because it seems like uh, everybody's been working in, uh, in different hours and family stuff. So we're just trying to get a whole schedule down pat. So we should return all together soon. So, Take care, everybody, and go bees. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at Court Lalonde, and at Rob40Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.